Welcome to the Nothing in Particular show, where you sit down with a beer, cup of coffee, or a great glass of wine and have an entertaining discussion with your new besties, Breezy Weeks and Travis Cody. What will we talk about today? Nothing in particular, or whatever is top of mind. You get married, you move to Utah, Dallin is, you know, working a regular job and you're starting a family. So how do you, does he go from his band, the Brobex, to becoming the, the bassist for Panic at the Disco? I know, and, and as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, maybe we'll have him as a guest on one of these podcasts. I know, we're going to. I'm totally going to ask yes. him. I'm totally going to ask him questions. I'm going to ask <laughs> um, him all kinds of questions about when yeah. you were first dating. I'm like, you know, used to massage your wife, right? Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, and he, and he thought he was going to score marrying a massage therapist. He thought he was going to get massages all the time. And, you know, how we are, we retire <laughs> pretty early. <laughs> so here, oh, again, so, I'm going yeah. off on a tangent. Oh, no. <laughs> I, this is the funny thing. Yeah. Like, I, I never thought – the only reason I went to massage school is because uh, this is how big of a geek that I was. I, I figured someday that skill would come in useful when I got married. Mm-hmm. never planned to do it for a job at all. I used it as an excuse to get out of LA to recalibrate. I went back to LA. Somebody found out I had training, threw a job at me as a massage therapist. It was paying literally triple what I was making. And I was like, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years later, oh, I'm still doing it. And then yep. <clears throat> the irony was, is I ended up injuring my hand and it ended my massage career. Uh, put me out of, that was it. I was done. And then I met my wife like three months later. <laughs> typical, typical. And, and here's my wife. My wife was a massage therapist for like 10 years. And she, same thing, she just got so burnt out by the time we met each other. We've been together now, I think six, seven years. And I think I massaged my wife like twice. Oh, <laughs> man. Massaged yeah. like once. Because yeah. it's weird. Like when, when you're in it, that's just what you do. And that's your thing. But when I got hurt, uh, I think there was so, so much sort of like resentment around the fact that I just lost my career over the stupid injury. They're like I got like mad at massage and then it, like I almost like blocked off the, the and there's even times when my wife will be doing something and I'm like oh I know how to fix that that's right <laughs> let me work on that for you so and I think literally one of our podcast titles will have to be like massage in the entertainment industry because you have so many I got stories we'll have to have like an episode about that we'll, okay we'll bring <laughs> Mika- like- Michaela on Michaela worked yes. on a bunch of really famous people it'll be oh, fun John, John oh. Stamos was her client at one point in time he he hit on her and was always asking her <laughs> yeah and she's like i don't date clients i'm like what's wrong with you <laughs> it's john stamos <laughs> yeah so um i'm like that's easy you're like i fire you as my client let's go out <laughs> uh-huh. i was like that too yeah um but yeah so when me and dallin then like you know right before we got engaged and all that i used to actually help him book shows um i started kind of helping on that end with music like well, helping became like his manager yeah, kind of like I was just, they didn't have anybody to really help them. And it was very, very hard to book a show in LA if you're not a local and you didn't grow up in that scene. So I knew a lot of people, like we're saying, I knew a lot of bands. I knew a lot of people. I went out, I met you know people at clubs, I knew club owners. Um, and so I started helping him book shows, the Brobex shows in LA that they were not to be mean, but they were playing the worst little tiny venue, like nothing venues or nobody would show up. And 
um, they had a they good following. They were playing in California, so in Utah, that's like huge bragging rights. <laughs> right. I mean, and they did have a following mostly on the outskirts of, of LA, but LA is very hard. So um, yeah, I started helping them book shows and stuff like that and promoting them. And um, a really good friend, he's a good friend of ours now, and we still know him to this day. He owns a club in LA, um, a couple clubs, and he's a DJ, um, this guy named Keith. And Keith is great. He, um, I actually booked one of the really big Brobeck shows um, with Keith. Now, me and Keith had a little tiny bit of a history where we we dated for like a second, nothing much. It was like um, like we went on a date or hung out like barely, but it was really cool because again, like we were talking about with dating, the stereotypical dating. When I went, approached Keith to book Dallin, my boyfriend's band, my new boyfriend's band, he was like he liked the music. He was like, yeah, sure. You know, I don't, I don't care. Like they, you know, me and you dated like, you know, that's cool, whatever. And, um, and so that, yeah, we still know Keith to this day. And it's really, and he actually small world again, this guy, Keith was in, um, a panic of the disco music video also later on when Dallin was in panic. So it's just the whole thing just circles around in that business. That's hilarious. Um, so I was booking him shows and continue even as we're married or living in Utah, I was helping him book shows also in Utah, uh, doing that whole thing. And, um, it, so yeah, it, it actually, they were doing quite well. The Brobecks were doing really well. Um, they had a lot of interest. They were like the top indie band alternative in, in Utah that weren't signed yet. And they were playing some massive like, um, music festivals out there. They were getting played on the radio, um, they had one song that was getting uh, rotated on the radio called Second Boys. Um, that's just the abbreviation of it. But um, a good friend of ours uh, that we still know, who's a DJ, Todd Newcomb, was the guy who like put that song on there. Even though, because usually the whole world is like, you need to be signed to get on the radio. But Todd was um, the program director and he he uh, played the Brobecks and that was really awesome for him to, to give them that opportunity. So more people are hearing about them, the buzz is creating, and um, all kinds of, every label that you can imagine, the big labels were flying out to Utah to come hear the Brobecks and come to their shows. So from like Sony to, um, I, I like all the just, I remember Sony being one, I, I remember just some of the biggest artists, you know, that uh, represent artists were flying out there. And so it was really cool. Now, these labels were approaching the Brobecks to want to sign and um a couple offers weren't really great and this is the whole riff that happened with the band and now I'm just talking as like a third party you know so I a lot of people ask me questions about it but I don't want to like go too deep in it because it's not really my story but I was right there and in, in the forefront so labels it. were approaching the Brobecks to sign yeah labels are approaching the Brobecks to sign a couple of them literally said, um, we don't want the band. We just want you, Dallin. So leave them and come with us. We'll find you a band to back you up. Like it's, they're just, they're just, uh, musicians. We'll, we'll find you mus musicians. We just want you as the talent and we'll hire musicians. And, and he said no to those offers. He was being so loyal. No, do, I do want to be clear though, at this point, like all of the songs on the Brobeck's album, Dallin had written. Is that right? Um, at the time there were still a uh, collaboration going on. So there was two singers of the Brobecks. There was a guy named Mike Gross 
and there was Dallin, and they would take turns singing. And so Mike. Yes, but in terms of actually writing the lyrics and the music, who did um, that? The, it was a combination. So Mike mostly wrote his songs, and then Dallin wrote his that he sung. And then um, they had a new keyboardist that some of the members changed out, the drummer and the keyboardist changed out. And then the new keyboard player wrote a couple songs too, collaborating with all of them. So the songs that Dallin just um, sung were mostly his own. There's a couple that the others collaborated on. So it was still a collaboration, but nonetheless, they, they wanted Dallin and they wanted whatever he had and what he brought in his, right. his songwriting. Because it was kind of like two different bands in one. The Brobecks were great, but the sound, when Dallin would sing and play and then the other singer would sing a play. Completely were, different. Yeah, they had their own talent, but it was a different sound. So that's, I think that's why they were like, you know, picking one or the other. Um, and so Dallin, you know, passed up these offers. Also, wow. some of the, some of the members. You see that loyalty in the music industry. Right. <laughs> and then some of the members also didn't want to sign to some other smaller labels because they didn't want to sell out the whole, which is just ridiculous at this point in life. I mean, I grew up being a punk rocker. I remember that whole thing about not wanting to sell out. But as an adult, you realize if you want to have a career and you want to make money, there is a bit of selling out, so to speak. Not really selling out. You just got to watch your back of what contract you sign, you know. Um, and so there was a riff with all that. One of the biggest shows that they had in Opportunities is they opened for Fallout Boy. It was at the Roxy Theater in LA. So the Brobecks flew out there, played the Roxy Theater, opened for Fallout Boy. It was even filmed for something. And huge opportunity. And um the label who um wanted to who was fallout boy was under and also panic then and this is also probably the start of panic at the time that we but we didn't know them and everything yet um wanted to sign was considering possibly signing the brobex we went to this after party and we were talking to john janik the who you know owns the the label feel by ramen and was very interested in the band now we didn't know but at this party i hate to like point fingers i'll just say one of the band members that wasn't dallin okay i'm not gonna like, totally call this guy out but one of the band members was very rude to the label's wife the label owner's wife at the party and that basically ruined the whole deal i mean you know how it works like in in yep. the industry you get one shot and he was, I guess, very, very rude to the guy's wife. So and he was that just kind just... of mad because of Dallin was getting all the attention, possibly. You know, the guy was just kind of difficult to get along with. He was the only member that I didn't put in my wedding, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> he was very difficult to, to um, deal with this person. And so whatever he said, his mouth sometimes just rambled. And I don't know. I don't know what happened or what words were exchanged, but that's all that we heard back. And that was it. And um. We went back to Utah and then that was it. Once you have that buzz, it's like, and you don't sign, they usually don't come back a second time around. You get yeah, one shot not. at it. I mean, it's like doing an audition. If you go in and I'm auditioning, like I get all the way to a, you know, 
reading for producers and Steven Spielberg and then, you know, I insult Steven Spielberg to his face. Like you're never yeah. going to work with Steven Spielberg ever in your career. Yeah, that's it. So that was the shot. So we go back to Utah um, and Dallin's still at this time, you know, he's juggling having normal jobs and doing the band and still trying to do that. And then we were, we're pregnant, you know, with Amelie, we're still living in Utah. We're quite broke at the time. Okay. We're now, you know, I left California, I left everything in California, which was fine. I kind of was ready to do that. So it was okay. But I was working now normal jobs because as we know, at the time, massage, you have to have a license in every, um, you know, state or county that you want to work in. The, the laws were very restricted back then. So I couldn't really go and do massage unless I wanted to go get the relicensing and all that. So I was just working other jobs, trying to get like good health insurance because now we want to have a family. We want to start a family in the midst of all this chaos. <laughs> like there's never the right timing. Okay. So we just were like, you know, let's just do it. So we planned it. We got pregnant with Amelie. We're living in someone's basement apartment. We actually had no rent. This friend of mine's dad was so kind to us and let us um, live in his basement apartment. We only paid utilities. We were so, so broke um, working these dead end jobs and him still trying to tour um, and go play shows here and there and try to keep the Brobex going and, and get something. So were um, things getting rough in the Brobex though at this point because it of the was. fact that what's his name blew the Yes. The deal? It was getting rough. It was getting really rough. There was not a lot of agreements. They were mostly playing big shows that they could just get like a big paycheck, you know, um, like a local radio show or something like that. But um, at this time, Dallin started to write the album Violent Things, um, which is all of his writing of, of the Brobex that album and he started to write that so we always say with artists you know it's kind of good when you have trials and problems because you come up with some really good stuff <laughs> it, when life's really super happy and smooth it's harder to be um, inspired it's kind of strange to say that but so he wrote some good stuff because a lot of violent things um album was written during the, the all this going on so he's starting to write that on his own and brobex split they break up um i'm super pregnant then we're fast forwarding i'm super pregnant i want to move back to california with my family to have this baby we do we i'm like eight months pregnant we're in a u-haul and we're moving back to california we're and we're just like done um wow yeah so you know, we get an apartment um, back out where my parents live, um, like Moore Park area. And I, you know, I have the baby. Dallin's working another crappy job that he hates trying to do music. And now he has like kind of a different lineup of, of musicians that have come in and replaced the other dudes that left the Brobex. So he replaced the guitar player and the bass, or not bass, bass the guitar player and, um, he had a drummer and he actually did have someone that played bass. I, that's why I said that he, he wanted to not play bass. He eventually would just wanted to sing and, and dance and stuff. So he did have someone that would come on and play bass sometimes for him. Um, but still nothing was happening and that was it. Um, he, he still released the violent things album. Um, he had a, someone that was trying to manage him, but just nothing happened. So he's getting like really dark place for us. Like it was great with a we have Amelie now we had a family and that was all good but as far as like work and and his dream he was about to give up with music he was like 
I think it's time to give up and just find a better paying job that, you know, that I can bring better income and, and, um, you know, so he's trying to decide that. So at that time we lived back in California, not sure, a couple of years, maybe, maybe, maybe a year. And then it was just too expensive. And we decided so to go approaching what 30 at about this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes sense. You're, you know. you're, you're turning 30, you, you've got a wife and a kid and you've been focused on this thing for 12, 14 years. It's not going anywhere. You know, I think that's a, a realistic assumption to go, okay, maybe what I want to do isn't going to work. So now how do I adjust to this to be able to take care of my family? Yeah, exactly. And from the very beginning, when we met, we talked about future plans and everyone's different. I respect everyone's point of view of family and, and working and women and wanting to work or, or whatever. But honestly, anyone that knows me personally, I'm more of an entrepreneur. So when we first met and we're talking about our future, which I think is very smart to do also. So you kind of have an understanding of what y'all want. You know, I straight said one day, I don't want to have to work. I want to, I don't, if I have a family, I want to be mom and be in that moment. I, that's just me personally. Everyone can do their own thing and, and rock it. But for me, that's what I wanted to do. So even though we were really broke and poor at this time and working a dead end job, um, I didn't go back to work after having Amelie. I did other things at home. I had like an online business and stuff and stuff and making some side money, like side hustle. Um, but that was our thing. And he supported that and he wanted that too. So we decided to move back to Utah because it's just more affordable. It's way cheaper for families. It's a lot families. of back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot of, I think we moved seven or eight times in the total of our marriage. Okay. <laughs> so it was a lot. We moved in with the in-laws, his parents, oh, and fun. yeah, so we have now a one-year-old. We're back at his parents' house. He has no idea what he's going to do with music. He's at the bottom, you know, of like his life and his giving up his dream. And um, honestly, I never argued, he can even tell you this, I never argued about him like, you need to give this up. Like that was never something I ever did. I always supported him because I saw that he had amazing potential and talent. So it like, it kind of like hurt me to think that he might give that up. Sorry. I might have to hear my dog in the back. So, um, it's a sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast sidekick between your dog and my cat. <laughs> yeah. She has her own fan base now too. Um, but so yeah, it was just kind of, I never told him to to stop that. So it was sad to see that because I didn't know what kind of person he would change into. If he's not going to do music, you know, I don't know if, you know, how like he's going to survive, to be honest. I, I, I think he'd be miserable, honestly. So um, that was just really saddening to have him. So during that time, we had just moved back. We're probably back for a couple months in Utah. Um. Again, he's just, I don't even know. He had all kinds of random jobs, carpet cleaning, you name it. Like he was trying to do it. And then um, somehow, and he, he'd have to tell his version of the story, he heard of an audition for, because now he's kind of in the music loop. So he still knew the people over at Fuel by Ramen record label. He still was in contact with a lot of these industry people that were like hoping maybe he would do something, hoping that maybe they could help him in some way because they, they also believed in his talent. And he heard of an audition for Panic of the Disco was looking for a bass player. So him knowing 
the guy over at Field by Ramen emailed him and asked him, hey, I would love to audition for this. Is that a possibility? And they said, yeah, we'd love for you to. You need to fly back to LA though. <laughs> so he jumped on a plane, flew back to LA. He had the audition. And again, he'd have to kind of tell you. Now, you know. now was the label, were, were they Panic's label? Um, yeah, so I think Panic had, two, they were with Fuel by Ramen and I think I think eventually they were with like Atlantic Records. Gotcha. So yeah. So I mean, so. eventually they moved up, but they started with them. Yeah. So by mm -hmm. the fact that he had talent and met these guys, it put him in a position that when something opened up, they were able to allow him to get in to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so um, he flew out there, and from his story, you know, I'm just retelling his story. Um, I think they had the audition maybe about seven people or so. Dallin was one of them. He went in audition. He said they played for a little while and then they went on YouTube and <laughs> joked and shared YouTube silly videos and had a good time. So it was mostly like a hangout than it was an audition and they just hit it off right away. Um, and it was, the audition was that um, Brennan and Spencer had a house together. They were renting, uh, I think in Malibu at the time. And that's where the audition was. And um, yeah, they just, they hit it off right away. He got the job. And all of a sudden we went from like, you know, these young couple with a kid living in Utah um, with in our, my in-laws and their bedroom to all of a sudden he needs to get a passport. You know, he's never left the country in his life. Um, and he needs to hurry up and get a passport like fast because he's going to go start touring like all over the world. If they're going, I don't even remember what the first one was, but I think it was like, um, South America or something. He was going to South America. He was going to China. He was going to like all these places all of a sudden. It was like from nothing <laughs> to like playing. And then we're talking like stadiums, like what, 20, 30,000 people. Um, you know, when this, so, uh, you know, here again, I, I hate talking for other people and I'm sure the fans probably know more than I do even because <laughs> I, I didn't know a lot about the background history of panic, but Panic had just um, kind of separated to, and they had just um, separated the guitar player and bass player left the band. And so it was now just the singer and the drummer. So they're restructuring. Yeah. So they're restructuring. So they had a, a kind of hiatus. I'm not sure really how long it was from the last time they played shows. And sometimes with bands, you'll see even some of the biggest bands will do this where they started out again once they had they hired Dallin and then they hired a guy named Ian Crawford to be the guitar player they started playing more like smaller um venues just to kind of like warm get, up to the audience the mojo again. Back as a band. yeah like see where they're at here you know see if everyone will like accept this change because <laughs> you know they have diehard fans like they you know that really back up these um all the members so I mean, it was I like, mean we're 15 years on and there's still team Aniston and team Pitt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, this is how people are. So Some of those same bands. With bands. Cause you get your favorite band member. And so one of them leaves. So you suddenly are like, Oh, the guy I love is not with the band anymore. I hate that band. I like yeah. this guy over here. And I get it. I get, you know, I get how that can happen, you know? And um, so I'm not sure what that time, how long it had been, but they were playing like a little bit smaller venues to start out with. And then they were playing like, um, festivals so like that's why they were going like out of the country because they were playing like these big music festivals so you got big music festivals that were quite large and then like touring some of the smaller venues and stuff like that um 
but it just like it happened so fast with that um and then at that time i got pregnant with knox <laughs> so he so here he is leaving and now i'm i'm home with a you know a toddler and i'm pregnant <laughs> again <laughs> so i was like oh geez um but then we moved out of the in-laws and we got our own apartment it was really nice and at that time he was still just like a touring um, member of panic so we weren't sure like are we gonna have to move to california they're like no you're fine you can stay in utah this is just like touring shows so when we're ready to tour you can come out here they'll rehearse you know a few days prior to going out on tour and then um you can go back home when the tour is done so and then we we uh, had Knox, and we're living in our new apartment still in utah and then eventually he went on this tour with panic to china and when they came back from china on their way back is when the remaining members of panic at the time was spencer and and brendan and they asked dallin if he'll join the band and be a member and this is you know what we were hoping for yeah so we gotta like, like i want to back up there because this is the thing so you know you go from nothing to now he's with this band and he's going all over the world from the outside perception it's like oh my gosh he just went from nothing to millionaire overnight but that's <laughs> yeah. that's not the case because there's a part of the music industry and i wasn't aware of it until i watched this happen with you guys is the fact that essentially dallin even though he's part of the the band he was essentially what they call a road dog so he was only getting paid per show and mm -hmm. he wasn't getting paid on anything else and and even then he like it, it was not very much so here here he is in a stadium of i don't know let's say 15 or twenty thousand, and like his nightly fee was like what four or five hundred bucks yeah i'm not sure how much it was it wasn't much though yeah what, it wasn't a lot <laughs> yeah and so this is the thing so even though he had this year where you're touring with this band in huge venues really like he's coming home and then he's got to go back to work at like a guitar center right because it's like that his, it wasn't very much money and you still don't have much money yes true um, so I, in, in some ways i think that's got to be maddening to have your foot in that world and be surrounded by all of that and basically still be broke yep yeah we were so we were living in utah we had amelie who's two at the time Knox is now we have a newborn and in between him playing with panic as a touring member and when he wasn't touring with them he was going to a regular job which at the time was carpet cleaning which is a pretty horrific job according to him and how disgusting that can be <laughs> it's it's a hard job um our rent because we're in utah it was pretty cheap we had a brand new apartment which was quite nice but it was like 700 bucks which is amazing it was like 750 or something but we also were still so broke that we were like on food stamps and like um state medical assistance for you know health insurance like we were broke so i was juggling like having this family you know and then also because then you might get the argument with people going, well, then why didn't you just go and work, Breezy, you know? Well, you have to balance. Like, would I just be working to pay childcare, <laughs> you know? No, that, that's exactly the I situation mean, my, my some, not to get super personal, but like uh, there's people in my family where that's the way it's like, you know, one, one of the, one person has a full-time job and they do it and the, and the other person, you know, has to work because they can't quite eat and meet. But I think 80% of what that other person makes goes just to cover the daycare for their kids yeah unless so. you have some career that's really going to pull in an income yeah At the, i didn't have that and so it just didn't make sense you yeah. know 
Um, well, that makes sense. So when, so when you're saying now that the band finally came to Dallin and said, we want you to be an official member of the band financially, what does that mean? Um, financially, it means that he can, you know, he'll be on a contract and so he will get paid more. Um, and when he's still though, like, um, not all the time, like when he's, when he's working, when he's touring, he'll get, he'll get paid more when he's playing shows. And then he'll also, um, he'll get part of like merchandise. Um, so he would make a portion of merchandise and he'd make a portion of like, um, some of the big shows. So not only would he get like a payment of him just playing a show, he would also get like uh, a portion of the live show and then like some of the merchandise percentage if I'm, if, if I'm remembering it correctly. So, um, so that was good. But at that time when they asked him to be part of the, the band, they said, but part of it is we need you to be in California now because now we're going to like step it up to the next level and we need you to be here to do all sorts of things, whether it's just writing, performing, you know, promotional stuff, whatever, we need you to be close by. So um, the cool thing was, is they actually, we still were under our lease that we had. So they, they paid off our lease. They paid for the moving. They helped move us out. Um, we got an apartment in Calabasas, which is ironic or coincidental because it was the same community that like I was saying before that I grew up hanging out in that area with you Incubus. You really became uh, full circle. <laughs> yes. So I was literally living in the same apartment complex where I used to hang out with like Incubus wow. and my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, awesome. Um, so basically they move you back to LA, they need him to work. So I'm assuming at this point, he essentially for all intents, even though it was called contract, he, he basically had a small salary and then that, so he didn't have to work anywhere else. And then he's a full-time musician now. And then he also, when they tour, he gets paid more money and gets merchandising. Is, is that right? Yeah. It still takes time for like royalty like and they right, call it royalties it's not overnight. to come in it takes a while yeah so payments like when you play a show it could take months to see that payment so he still wasn't really making enough to not have a normal job so he was still at this point this is probably i think we moved out in 2010 or 11 out back out to california and this is now panic's blowing up again and they're playing some huge shows and he's touring constantly he's still when he was coming home he was still like working at like a, a plant nursery one time. And then one time he was working at the place where like all the musicians store their music equipment and he was working there. He was still juggling jobs. It wasn't quite enough. Like we were barely making, you know, because now we went from Utah, which is even a cheaper cost of living to California. So we're almost kind of like, yeah, he's getting paid more, but we're also everything's more expensive, <laughs> you know, and we have two kids. So, um, so he still was making ends meet. And then eventually my idea, because growing up in the music industry, I was like, you know, you should have something where they, they pay you so that you're available all they want you to available. But every time you need to be available on tour, he has to like quit his job. And that wasn't going over well. Cause you'd have to keep finding a new job and then quitting, you know? And so it was like, this is ridiculous, you know? So there's a thing that they do in the industry often when they want an artist to stay available and you'll, you, you basically um, pay them like a, a retainer kind of thing to just stay available. So it's like a monthly thing. And um, 
I kind of brought that up, that idea. And he was like very scared to approach that to them, you know, cause he was just so happy and grateful to have what he had, but we're also like barely making ends meet. So, um, you know, we, we all lawyered up just, you know, so we could have contracts written and ask them and, and, and they, um, they agreed that that was a, that was a good thing. And they agreed that that was something that he should have. And that was really cool. And they made that happen. So that was really awesome. And that's kind of when that, that kind of gave him a little more freedom too, once they had that in, in place and stuff. So um, we had that going. And then I think during that time was probably the most he ever toured. And I counted now, it wasn't consecutively, but in that um, from probably from 2011 to like 2013, he was touring so much. And one year I counted that he was gone a total of nine months. So, um, counting all the days up and that wow, was that's, a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. Because, and then I'm home alone and I'm raising these two little ones, which, yeah, I chose this, but it doesn't mean it's not hard. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was hard and it was hard for them to have their dad be gone. It was hard for him to be away from his family. It was hard for me uh, juggling all that, but we, we did it and we we're still doing it <laughs> to this day. So. Yeah. So that's kind of like, and then, um, eventually, um, you know, the, I don't even know how far I want to go into the story, you know, well, like, this, this episode is pretty long. So we got, we got to the point where Dallin is, uh, is on salary with the panic and you basically, you know, we've covered that he went from, uh, you know, you got guys basically being on food stamps to, <laughs> yeah. and, and him giving ready to give up on his dream to being in a position where, he now, even though you're not making crazy amounts of quote rock star money, like in, in for all intents and purposes, like you're making a full time living doing the thing that he loves. Right. So I think mm -hmm. that's a good place to stop because yeah. that that is there, there and, and and not that we want to keep talking about all of the stuff for all of our episodes. Eventually, we are going to get to Hollywood stuff, but it's just that the story is you know this is this is part of what. The, the show was created for was to talk about the behind the scenes stuff that most people never hear about. So like, for instance, you know, Dallin touring with the band for a year and only, you know, making three or $400 a show while they're playing like sold out stadiums. Most people yeah. don't realize that the, sometimes that's the way that it works. And uh, so, you know, the, the next part of this journey is awesome. Cause you go from, you know, where you're at to eventually, you know, becoming a seven figure musician and, and, you know, having all of these like, you know, platinum albums and, and, and then having the challenges of that, which led to Dallin creating his, his, uh, you know, moving on and getting to his own band. And so I can't wait to mm -hmm. talk to, about that on, on our next episode. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>